Roger Berkowitz. I'm Larry Gulko, and this is Name Brands, the podcast about the story behind the brand. Uh, joining us now on Name Brands is old friend Felix Rappaport. Felix is the president and CEO of Foxwoods Resort Casino, the largest resort casino in North America. Prior to taking over Foxwoods three years ago, Felix was the president of the Mirage Hotel in Las Vegas, and before that, the Luxor in New York, New York casino, amongst others. He has a stellar reputation in gaming, is known as one of the industry's leading turnaround experts. He was lured to Foxwoods for the challenge of leading the casino out of the recession, and by all accounts, has done a masterful job. So, Felix, share with us, you were in Las Vegas for about two and a half decades, whatever it might be. What was it? What was the attraction that made you leave Vegas, made you leave MGM Resorts International as the Mirage to spearhead the Foxwoods brand? Well, to be honest with you, I've been very fortunate in my life. Um, I, I still have a home, by the way, in, in Henderson in Las Vegas, so I still consider it home in many ways, and I was fortunate enough to work for three great organizations there. I worked at Mirage and Treasure Island. I worked for MGM many years, and I also worked for the Fertitas at Station Casinos. I, I reached a point where, honestly, I thought maybe I wanted to cut back and uh, maybe do some consulting. I had a couple of, uh, of things lined up, and I really had the opportunity uh, through an executive search firm, firm to come and speak to the people at Foxwoods. I had been to Foxwoods many times over the years, and I really uh, never anticipated being here, but I'm an East Coast kid. But once I made the decision to get involved, uh, I'm, I'm a risk taker and I'm a plunger, and I like the challenge. And Throughout my career, I've had the opportunity to go to places like New York, New York, or Luxor that really needed a facelift and needed to change their business model. And Foxwoods is the ultimate opportunity to do that. It's 9 million square feet, so it's the biggest casino resort in the United States. Mm-hmm. We sit on 1,200-plus acres in a very beautiful part of Connecticut, a beautiful part of New England. And so the opportunity to do whatever needs to be done was very compelling. And once you meet the tribe, the tribal council, Chairman Rodney Butler and the tribe, once you meet the people, you realize that there is a tremendous opportunity. They're incredibly supportive people. They've been great for the state of Connecticut. And so it's really all about the challenge and the creative opportunity. So, so it's interesting. You're talking about uh, you know the challenge of coming to uh, to Foxwoods. You work for a publicly traded company, yep. And now you're working for a a, a sovereign nation, correct? A, a, as it is, tell us about the differences, sort of the the obvious and the not so obvious uh, differences, and something like. You know, that. I, I, it's interesting. So now that I'm uh, in a tribal uh, uh, gaming enterprise. You have a board of directors. There are seven people, tribal council. They're much more involved. I meet with them at least once every two weeks and probably more often. And unlike board members who may fly around the country uh, and then reconvene periodically for for a board meeting, many of these uh, tribal uh, leaders on council live right on the reservation. Uh, It's a very conservative-run business. We have a very conservative gaming commission. It's not a free-for-all in any way, shape, or form. When it comes to finance and accounting, we're extremely conservative. We work very hard to run a a very clean, very ethical business. And so the size and scope of it is very comparable, in fact, larger in many cases than most commercial gaming enterprises. And so for me, the changes haven't been that different. I think people are people. 
it is a family business. There are a thousand family members in the Mashantucket Pequot Tribal Nation. Wow. Many of them are still uh, not 21, uh, but uh, you certainly know that everything you do ultimately helps the family. And the overriding goal of the Mashantucket Pequot Tribal Nation is to provide for succeeding generations uh, of their tribe and of their family and diversification. So for me, the opportunity to do what I do, which I've done for 38 years, 39 years, which is basically run a resort or a resort casino. Uh, we always say we're in the entertainment business. It really hasn't changed dramatically. The kind of things I do are the same. The difference is it is a family business, the close proximity of the family, the fact that there's an awful lot of input, a lot of involvement. But I would say in my case, it's been about 99% positive. Uh, the tribe has treated me phenomenally well. Uh, I could sit here and extol the virtues of each and every person on council. Everybody's different. They all come at a business decision from a different perspective, but it works. And I think in the four years that I've been here, we've made a lot of progress. So, so if you think about it, now going back years ago, there was really Las Vegas and, and there was Atlantic City. Right. Today, I think by someone's count, there's over 1,500 casinos in the United States. In about 40 states, I believe. About 40 states have casinos? Yeah, I think you're yeah, both right. I mean, the number wow. that I've heard is a little less than 1,500, but you could be correct. It mm -hmm. depends on how you count because, for example, if you go to Oklahoma, yeah. there's at least 60 tribes that have casinos, and they run the gamut from big operations like Choctaw or Chickasaw, Choctaw or Chickasaw uh, with Windstar to small little convenience store-type casinos. But you're absolutely right. There is some form of legalized gaming in 48 states, the only outliers being Utah and Hawaii. And there is some form of casino gaming, and I think you're right, about 40 states. And there are states now, obviously, like Georgia, for example, that do not have uh, full-fledged casino gaming that are looking at it. Because in many cases, when you have states, you have communities, you have towns, you have infrastructure that needs an infusion uh, of new revenue streams. Many times, gaming is viewed as a panacea. What, what in your mind constitutes oversaturation, if there is such a thing? You know, I, listen, we're in, uh, you know, our economy is based on competition, right? It's capitalism, right? So I think that you can say that the market is being sat, becoming saturated, but who cares? I mean, you could say the same mm -hmm. thing in retail. Mm -hmm. You right. could say the yeah, same right. thing in almost right. any industry. Right. And I guess my whole philosophy is rather than a pity party, which mm -hmm. I don't <laughs> believe in, uh, because some yeah. people do yeah. cry, cry wolf about that, I think it's all about evolution. Uh, you know, Roger, you've been in your business, uh, your, your family, for 103 years, and you've evolved. And what you did 103 years ago and your grandfather did is so different than what you do today. And I feel the same way about us. And when I first came to Foxwoods, my evaluation was, look, gaming, meaning slot machines, table games, poker, is basically a commodity now. When I first got to Foxwoods, it was a pretty easy assessment to say, we're on 1,200 acres, we have 9 million square feet, we don't need as many slot machines as tables as we may have used needed 20 years ago. How can we evolve? And if you look at what we're doing with our master plan, with the full support of Tribal Council, we're evolving into more of a full-service destination resort. So rather than me feeling bad that competition is heating up, 
I believe that the future of Foxwoods is best served by becoming more of a diversified destination integrated resort. So, so. Phil, here's my question. Going back to what Roger mentioned before about Roger Las Vegas, Link City. Years ago, you go to Vegas, and there'd be signs everywhere, prime rib, nine ninety five. All right, it was El Cheapo. 99 cents. Yeah, 50 cent shrimp cocktail. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what the heck? What, what shrimp cocktail are you seafood now? 75 right, cents? Let's just go keep going. Yeah, Larry, go ahead. What I mean, the shrimp were microscopic, but 50 cent <laughs> shrimp cocktail. No, so, not no, his. No, 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 no. Las no. Vegas. <laughs> I know. 30 years ago. So uh, what, perc- what precipitated that evolution to all of a sudden be a, a dining mecca, a shopping mecca, a retail mecca versus just gambling as we mentioned, like Tad Steakhouse for 10 bucks for a prime rib 30 years ago. What, what precipitated the whole change, Felix? Well, I think, first of all, I think the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Bureau uh, has taken a huge leadership role. Uh, you know, even with the recent tragedy that, that happened in, in Las Vegas with the uh, unfortunate yeah. shooting, the tragic shooting, uh, they still have 40 million-plus visitors a year. And so... I believe they're the largest convention uh, destination in the country. And then, of course, the most recent revolution is nightlife. Who would think out of the top 10 nightclubs in the United States that nine of them would be in Las Vegas? And many of them do $100 million in... That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, we have a wonderful nightclub with our partners out of Boston Big Night Entertainment Group. And Shrine, which holds about 1,000 people, is a very, very successful nightclub. But you look at Las Vegas, and they've got these massive nightclubs that can accommodate 6,000 people to pop. And and uh, who would ever guess that uh, these, these phenomenal DJs like uh, Tiesto and people like that would command the, the fees that they command? But... I've got two daughters. They love electronic dance music. You know, EDM is is the rage. So when you look at all that, convention, entertainment, retail, great celebrity chefs. Wolfgang Puck was one of the first. Emerald was one of the first. Look at that progress. There's just so many things that people now do in Las Vegas that it's been kind of a natural progression. One of the things that happened... Uh, a, a number of years ago, I had an opportunity to go to Las Vegas I know. With, with a business group. I you, tried you, to get you to go to Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. I'm right. still I miffed. Was, I, was, I was there. How do you spell miffed? I'm miffed. <laughs> How many years right. ago is it going right. on? Right. I've, been, I, I've, I've always, been courting Roger uh, for 15 uh, years. Not in a personal sense, but in a business sense. I've always been intrigued by the mystique of Las Vegas. Yes, I did almost go, but I was out there at a convention, a, a, a business group convention, and we got a little bit of a peek behind the curtain, if you will, in terms of what's happening. Yeah. Okay? And and we got we went to the MGM. That's where the the uh, conference was taking place, and we got a tour of the facilities. And we went down a corridor, you know, sort of a nondescript corridor, and all of a sudden we emerged in what I could only describe as a heaven-like paradise. This is on the strip behind the MGM. Now, the MGM isn't a bad hotel, uh, you know, but it, it, but we entered in sort of like the Garden of Eden there, yeah. underneath, underneath a glass dome that I don't think anyone has seen. And it looked as if there were, there were, there were. I think there were six or eight uh, uh, Venetian townhouses and all kinds I mean, of gardens. You're talking about the mansion. Was, was that the, the mansion? mansion? I was like, 
So I was like in awe. How, was, how, did, was, how, how did Roger get into the mansion? Well, first of all, by mistake, I know. First of all, <laughs> I thought he was describing a dream. I, I took me a while to know what he's talking it, it about. Looked like it looked like a dream. Did you see Felix's face? He's like, where's he going? Where was so he? Yeah. I opened the mansion. <laughs> did and you? It was the brainchild of uh, a, a really uh, excellent executive who was the former chairman of uh, MGM Resorts International, uh, Terry Lanny, who unfortunately passed on a number of years ago. And he wanted MGM to be able to compete more for the high rollers. Uh So we built this multi-hundred million dollar property, and I was in charge of it. And back in those days, we only had one company. We owned part of Prim. I think we owned part of New York, New York. But we were not the the huge multi-jurisdictional company that MGM is now. But I was really blessed to open the mansion, and it was the best of the best. So there were 29 villas. And there were four four-bedroom villas, if memory serves. They were each 12,500 square feet. Wow. And you're absolutely right. Wow. There was this huge atrium, and we did lavish dinners, and we had our own chef and our own staff, and it was the best of the best. And a lot of people help uh, believe that opening the mansion was a turning point in the company's history because it allowed us to then, in turn, acquire more properties and grow. But... Uh, the competition, certainly back then, we opened that, I want to say, 1999 or 2000, thereabouts. Uh, the competition for the high rollers, the best players nationally, internationally, is fierce. And so if you go to the Venetian, if you go to Caesars, if you go to Bellagio, if you go to Aria, you go to MGM, all of those properties that compete for the highest customers, the million-dollar, the $5 million, the $10 million customers, it's all about the facility. It's all about the service. It's all about the bells and whistles. And certainly at that era, my if if, if memory serves, in those 29 villas, there were 10,000 different fabrics, which for an operator, you might imagine, was pretty daunting <laughs> because yeah, I believe yeah. of those 10,000 fabrics, about 9,000 9, of them were not treated to be stain resistant. So, you know, somebody would sit on a couch and spill a glass of wine, and you'd have to replace a couch. But that's what you're talking about, the mansion. Yeah, so, Larry, you get a kick out of this because, you know, so I said, well, where are the tables? Where are the, you know, where are the games? Oh, we bring the games to them. And and I said, okay. Uh, uh, And then... you know, I, what if they want something? Oh, we get it for them. I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything? Anything. As long as it's legal. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. As long as it's legal. Yes. Hold on. This is not a plug for legal, right? We, we can't keep plugging legal <laughs> no. seafood today, you know what I'm saying? Uh, very clever. But I meant legal in the law sense. I know. And that's where I know. But you know, it's important that we mention that because people to this day watch the movie Casino with Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci and Rick Gold and the whole group. And they still ask people if that's the way Las Vegas is and is there a second door out and you really have a vault. And, you know, I'm here to tell you that rep- represented a bygone era mm-hmm. in Las Vegas history that has been cleaned up and then some. Atlantic City opened under an incredibly um, uh, rigid and uh, uh, carefully controlled environment with their gaming commission. And interestingly enough, Foxwoods, many of the, the, the leaders who opened Foxwoods came from Atlantic City. And so we're an incredibly regulated, well-controlled, highly ethical environment. And so I think we're really proud of that fact. But, you know, people think that 
you know, that represented the way the industry was, and it did represent the way the industry was 30, 40 years ago, but not anymore. It's a very highly regulated industry, and we're proud on of that. The, on, the, on that trip, we were invited up into the camera room. Mm-hmm. Surveillance. And, I'm sorry, surveillance. Okay. Uh, and, and it is – and I didn't fully appreciate – how casinos think about cheating and 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 you know different scams sort of going on there were i think at the time 300 cameras really wow. all, all over the place we had lost a member of our group in there he was supposed to be uh, joining us the cameras found him. They found him at a table, and they zeroed in on his hand as he was betting. I was, it was, it blew me away. So, is that omnipresent in all casinos? Yeah, um, we have a gaming commission that reports directly to tribal council, and so we have surveillance, surveillance. Uh, we have security surveillance, and we have gaming surveillance. In total, and we never mentioned the exact number of cameras. Suffice to say, in a property of Foxwood size, we have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. I just took a trip uh, around the entire property because we were looking at additional security enhancements that we are always constantly adding. Because at the end of the day, you want to provide the safest and most secure environment. Our customers like that, and we're proud of that. But in every property, there are thousands of cameras. And certainly at Foxwoods, uh, it would be hard to find any any part of the United States where there's there's more surveillance cameras. And so we're watching every stairwell, every entrance, every inch of the property. But to your point, they can zero in and watch a p- person playing blackjack or baccarat or roulette. And we, you know, pride ourselves on having uh, extremely good um, uh, control uh, in, in how games are played. And, and games protection is what we actually call it, game protection. So you're always on the lookout for people who are trying to cheat you or collusion with uh, unscrupulous employees. Fortunately, there's not much of it because we run a tight ship. So, so coming back to Connecticut, all right, you have Foxwoods, about 10, stone's throw away, 10 miles away is Mohegan Sun. How do you think the experience is going to change at Foxwoods to create a more remarkable experience to drive market share away from, if you want to call it the locality, of the Mohegan Sun down the street? Well, it's a great question. So there's two kinds of casinos in the United States. There are destination casinos, of which we clearly are and Mohegan is, and then there are casinos of convenience. So, for example, Twin River, which is near Providence, is an extremely successful, well-run property. We know those people. But it's really a convenience casino. If you want to play table games, you want to play slots, they have plenty of both. They've got a handful of restaurants. They have a handful of amenities. But Foxwoods has two theaters, 175,000 square feet of convention space. We already are a full-service resort. What we're looking to add is more outside activities, and so we're adding things like a zip line, which is literally being tested from the top of the Fox Tower all the way to the museum. We have our own 300,000-square-foot, 200-million-dollar museum, which rivals portions of the Smithsonian. Wow dedicated to the culture of the Mashantucket Pequot Tribal Nation. And it will link our campus, the Foxwoods campus, with that. So this zip line will run 3,700 feet. It'll go 350 feet approximately in the air down to the museum. And you'll go about 60 miles an hour. And hopefully Hmm. within a month or so, it'll be ready to ride. We're doing that. We added a thrill tower. I brought you this Foxwoods Insider, which shows you this map of the campus. And I will tell you that we have a consultant named Dennis Conrad who's traveled all over the world. He has said 
to us. Dennis says, there's no casino in the world that offers as much variety of things to do. So building out that campus and those 1,200 acres and the 9 million square feet inside is really our goal. Now, I can't speak for the Mohegans. They're competitors. Uh, they opened in 96 really because of the largesse of the tribe the Mashantucket Pequots, because we had exclusivity with the state of Connecticut, and when they had the opportunity to open, we allowed them to open uh, within the context of Connecticut, and we're now partners with them on a proposed third casino in East Windsor. Can, can, can you just elaborate on that? Because, you know, that's sort of an interesting thing. You hear two competitors. A partnership, a, yeah. A partnership yeah. opening in, in, in East Windsor. I, I'm guessing to thwart the the MGM, you know, sort of coming into Springfield and sort of, you know, uh, prevent people from leaving the state, if you will, or to well, capture more them. muscle power. Listen, I would never say the word thwart. Uh, <laughs> MGM okay. is a great company and they're investing a billion dollars, yeah. and you know, Lord knows that Springfield needs the the redevelopment opportunity. But what I will say is, um, it's been proven with all across the country. When a property opens across the state line, so Twin River, for example, even when I came mm. to Foxwoods four years ago, Twin River didn't have table games. They just had slots. Uh, now they have table games. And so there's always going to be a market for somebody who wants to go as close as possible and play a table game or play a slot machine. So I'm sure Springfield will be very successful. But in our case, we believe the state of Connecticut will lose massive a number of a massive number of jobs over the next three to five years, and massive numbers of revenue, if we don't provide a casino of convenience in that portion of the state. And so it it's not going to thwart MGM's efforts. What it will do, in my opinion, blunt. Pardon me. Blunt. I won't, I won't use the word blunt either, Roger. What I will say is it's going to keep more jobs in the state of Connecticut. It's going to keep more revenue. We, as a tribe, along with Mohegan, have contributed $7 billion plus to the state coffers in our 25 and their 21 years of, of history. And that's not insignificant. You know, the state of Connecticut talks about Electric Boat, huge company that mm -hmm. does mm -hmm. a lot of defense yes. contracting. They talk lovingly about Pfizer Pharmaceuticals, great company. But we believe in our own way as employers, there have been, this is massive, 70,000 people in 25 years have worked part-time or full-time at Foxwoods. You know, a lot of them college kids moving on to another career. But we also can't underestimate the impact on tourism. 300 million people have walked through the doors of Foxwoods. And the state of Connecticut, again, has some well-documented financial issues, uh, which we've always thought were part of the solution. So we think that that third casino will help. Um, I know other people have talked about other casinos in other portions of the state. When we in Mohegan, after being competitors and, and adversaries in some cases, people will tell you for 350 years, uh, it really took, in my opinion, great leadership on the part of our two tribal councils and specifically Chairman Rodney Butler from our council and Kevin Brown from theirs to come together in, in, in a common purpose for the good of the state and the people of the state. We've also originally gone to the legislature and said, hey, we'd love to do a casino in this part of the state, this part of the state, this part of the state, because we believe that our relationship with the state gives us exclusivity. 
But they originally asked us to build something in that corridor from Hartford to Springfield. So we've bought the land and we're moving in that direction. So, you know, Felix, you were quoted as saying that the average consumer stays 1.4 days at Foxwoods. Yeah, it might be 1.5 now. Right. And, five, and four days in Vegas. Yeah. With the so. collaboration, let's say, with Higgins Sun and more partnerships, do you want people to spend four days within both casinos? Or are you looking to maybe hopefully get two and a half days at Foxwoods alone? Well, listen, When it's a great question. When we promote southeastern Connecticut, we promote southeastern Connecticut. If a family comes in, for example, uh, for a water park, I think it's not unlikely that they'll check in on a Friday night, they'll stay Saturday, and then they'll probably check out Sunday. So right there, you have a little longer stay. In Las Vegas, you have 40% of the business is driving traffic from California. So it's not that there aren't people that come in and stay one night. But we used to encourage a stay pattern, once again, where people would come in on a Thursday night or a Friday night, check out Sunday, check out Monday. Conventions and the success of conventions in Las Vegas is one of the reasons that the average stay is four days. Plus, there's more to do in Las Vegas. I mean, Las Vegas, how many properties do you have on the Strip? The average visitor to Las Vegas visits at least four casinos. So my contention is the more we give people... Uh, to do at Foxwoods, the longer they'll stay there. And by the way, look, they if they stay at Foxwoods and they want to go see a concert at Mohegan Sun, uh, that's going to happen power to anyway. Them, right? yeah. All the power to yeah, them. Yeah. Just come back to us. That's right. Play here, eat here, stay right. with us. Right. Uh, we promote Mystic. We promote the wineries in the area because at the end of the day, Connecticut is a beautiful state. I think New England's beautiful. Massachusetts is a beautiful state. I think the beauty of Massachusetts and, excuse me, New England is that you can get anywhere within three, four, five hours. And so we think that the variety of experiences in Connecticut and indeed all of New England is something that we should all celebrate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So demographics are changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, millennials are you know, now 50, 55% of the population. How is that going to influence how casinos operate today. You know, you, you, you know millennials, you know, when you talk about sports books and that type of thing, DraftKings is now a, a big part of, of what they're doing. How do you see the change coming, and how do you sort of anticipate accommodating that? That's a great question, um, Roger. I appreciate it. I, the, the way we and other uh, companies approach it, because every time you go to the gaming show in Vegas or you go to the gaming show in London or whatever, that's always an issue. Millennials, millennials, millennials. So uh, many of our executives uh, from from many companies say don't focus too much on the millennials because you don't want to forget the, the, the you know, the, the core customer who might be 50 on up. You, you don't want to uh, uh, forget the 35 to 50-year-olds either. So you have to have some for everything. The beauty of Foxwoods is we're so big and we have four different hotel products. So we've consciously looked at the newest hotel product, the Fox Theater or Fox uh, Tower. And we already have Shrine Nightclub there. We have King Inc., which is a phenomenal tattoo parlor. Do either of you gentlemen have tattoos? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe. <laughs> Roger, I think you're edgy enough that if, even yeah. if you don't, you was it should, a salmon? It's a, a flounder. It's a shark, but that's another story. Go ahead. I think you should keep that, that mystery alive. So we've already taken that area. You have Shrine Nightclub. We have King Ink Tattoo Parlor. We've added 
uh, Central Bar, which is a very, very hot bar in the middle of the property. Uh, we have many shows in our grand theater there, which uh, 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 tend to skew to a younger crowd. And so we already have that area. Now, what we've done is we've taken skill-based gaming. People in the millennial generation love to play video games. Well, why don't they play slot machines? That's a million-dollar question. So we've added some of those, and there's been some progress with that. Um, so we've added social gaming. So, for example, we have something called Foxwoods Online, which appeals to a wide variety of, uh, variety of people. We've added something in a different part of the property called um, the Play Arena, which is uh, stadium gaming. So you have a big screen. You can put music on it. You can put the games on it. You can play Baccarat. You can play Roulette. You can play Blackjack. And um, uh, there's three or four dealers. And instead of them just being kind of somber and just taking care of the customer, they're having fun. They're creating excitement. There's, I think, 31 different consoles. So if you have a bachelorette party, you have three or four guys who are there for the weekend, they can sit there and on a machine that looks kind of like a slot machine, they can play all of those different options. So there's a lot of experimentation going on. Uh, we've talked about eSports. Uh, in one of the properties that I used to work at, Luxor MGM has taken a former nightclub that I opened, LAX, and they've created, they're creating an eSports arena, 20,000 square feet. That's a wow. pretty wow. big... That's a it's, pretty big investment, mm -hmm. gamble. But because they have so many properties in Vegas, they can certainly have each property uh, focus on a particular demo. At Foxwoods, because we're so big, we have 340,000 square feet of gaming, we can have one area that appeals to your core gamers, another one appears, appeals to millennials. What we know about millennials is they don't appear to be hardcore gamblers in the same way. They like to go on vacations, they like to travel, and gambling or gaming could be a part of that. And so we have to ad adapt to that. I think we have a whole generation of people where for them playing a slot machine, playing blackjack, playing craps may be their primary hobby or their primary social uh, activity. And so the world is changing and we already are trying to appeal to a younger generation. If you go to the big gaming show that was just in Las Vegas a couple months ago, there's virtual reality games now that you can actually bet on. So, you know, a couple of my associates, it's like a paddle game, and he's standing in this booth, and he stood in this booth, and they're, they're you know, playing a virtual reality game. I did a virtual reality car, mm -hmm. which is just like you might ride in an arcade, a simulator, but you actually could wager on it. And the biggest problem with all of those games is just getting them licensed in a gaming jurisdiction because the odds are different, and is it a fair game, and and is is there a way to cheat the game? So part of the problem with any new game or new concept, particularly these virtual reality games or some of these skill-based games, is just getting them through the licensing. Well, you know, it's interesting. I gave a speech at the Global Gaming Expo several years ago, and then I went to the conference of the trade show, whatever, and the stuff, Roger, they were developing, I mean, it was off the charts as far as innovation. Absolutely. You know, some are going to make it some on, but some are in development stage. But the innovation and the inventiveness just blew me away. You know, going back to what you mentioned about the, the different things on the floor, 
I myself, I love playing roulette. Wait, wait a minute. You told me before you were a bingo player. So, so, <laughs> yeah, so, 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 so that's Thursday night. If Larry goes to Foxwoods, <laughs> is he going to be able to be accommodated playing bingo? We have 3,600 <laughs> seats. It's the largest bingo parlor that I'm aware of anywhere. And Larry's in seventh heaven. Go ahead. <laughs> so, yes, whether it's bingo or roulette, we can accommodate you. Okay, so here's my question. Okay, I play a lot of roulette. I love my wife and I. 17... 26, 28. Those are our numbers, okay? 17 is always a smokestack, right? And to me, regardless of what the odds are, Felix, when the number comes out and the little ball bops around, the rush and the high of 17 comes out. It's unbelievable, right? So I have a question for you. I go to Foxwoods. I'm looking for a roulette table. I'm looking around. You see craps. You see a lot of slot machines, a lot of blackjack. I'm look- and all of a sudden, you see, you see six roulette tables, okay? Is the design of the casino floor relate to the popularity of the games because we know craps you can hear the roar of craps and sometimes with um with roulette uh, blackjack's a little more quiet or whatever but is it because is roulette it seems to me in my perception there aren't a lot of roulette tables it's an old people's game what's that it's an old people's game and getting back to my thought, so so is roulette basically, you know, is it less popular? And is, is design of the games there according to popularity? That's why the, that's why what dictates the volume of what games you're going to have on the floor. There's definitely a science to setting it up. We have a great bingo. We have, we have a great science VP. Yeah. Excuse me, uh, table games VP named Wayne Thies. Wayne. If you're looking for somebody out of central casting, Wayne is the guy, right? He's got the voice like this, yeah. right? He's got the hairdo. Yeah. But he is... Sounds like Roger. Hey, how you doing? He is very innovative. And so he's always, yeah. uh, uh, in my opinion, tinkering with the, the... You know, he's changing it every single week. That being said, roulette, I just looked at the numbers yesterday. Roulette actually is holding its popularity and, if anything, growing in popularity. It's a fun game. It's, it's, a, fun, it's a fun is, time. Roulette yeah. is very, it's an easy game to learn. Yeah, that's it's, why Larry likes it. No, 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 no. no. I feel like I'm taking something funny. I was at, I, no, I was <laughs> at. Is this relationship between you two going to last? <laughs> yeah, 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 no. I was like, no, We're really. Not sure, but no, go no, ahead. Roger, Roger, this plays off what you just said, okay? Yeah. I was at Fox's about six months ago playing roulette. Somebody approaches me and says to me, excuse me, what's the strategy in this game? And I said to them, the only thing missing here is stuffed animals. <laughs> right, right, and we have a big six-wheel. Yeah, no, right, I said, you, you pick a number. Yeah. And it's funny how many people say, they look at the roulette thing, hmm, there's red, there's black. They, they, they think by the past numbers is going to forecast the, the, the new numbers, which is insane, right? It's insane. And you, just, you go with the flow. You don't know. Number 31 come out three times in a row. There's no science there. But, you, just, you just roll the dice. The ball goes, and you see what comes up, right? But it's very popular in Europe. Yeah. It's very popular with many international visitors. Well, why is that, you think? You know, I think it's it's because it's an older game. I mean, Baccarat traditionally appeals to a lot of Asian customers. Yeah. Um, and and, and e- we were talking about this yesterday. Even the big Bach tables are less popular now. We have midi Bach and mini Bach, so they're smaller tables. Craps is a very tough game to learn. And it's a great social game, and I think it's probably male-dominated based on the number of customers. But listen, I know women who uh, who love craps as much as men, uh, but I would say men tend to like craps. Blackjack appeals to everybody. You know, there's every game has its own math. Every game has a skill factor with the possible exception of something like Baccarat, which is really all about money management, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. You know, people will tell you that it, it, it's not a skill-oriented game. 
But certainly craps, there's a skill element. Certainly blackjack, there's a skill element. Video poker, there's a skill element. Not roulette. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I don't want to say that exactly. Yeah, pick a number, yeah, any that, number. That, that, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's we funny. We know that. Yes, so, some ahead. of the most logical <laughs> people I know, for example, like I have a very good friend who's a customer who's a very logical person in his everyday life, but he doesn't play video poker, which you think he would play because video poker – there is a there is a skill level. He likes playing slots because for that, you know, slots, which is truly based on a computer random number generator, um, you know, it's all based on on math and everything else, uh, and and an, uh, an algorithm. Um, he likes the stress relief of I don't want to say mindless, but he enjoys that. So listen, every game has its own appeal, and I think there is something very kind of uh, sophisticated. Mm-hmm. About a, a roulette wheels are beautiful, and they appeal a lot to uh, I think people who have a pretty sophisticated background. Quite frankly, all right, that's so, me. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just spin the dial. Red seventeen, right, Larry? Red <laughs> <laughs> seventeen comes up. What a rush! <laughs> so, so. so. Uh, in terms of the games, that you know, the, uh, slots as an example, there are people that go to slots, and I don't know whether what it is in their brain, but they'll sit there, sit there, sit there. And is is there a a strategy to slots in terms of if you sit there long enough, if you put in the maximum number of coins? What is the you know sort of the behind the scenes strategy to to winning it at slots? Well, every jurisdiction has a minimum amount that must be paid out of every game. So every game is controlled by a computer chip, strictly regulated by the Gaming Commission, so there's no nonsense going on. That's number one. But almost every game, the slot department can make choices about what chip you put in there to pay out at what level. And there's a whole science to how you set up the table. Slot machines, um, you know, it's just fascinating because they're getting bigger, they're getting fancier. People love branding. You they're know, getting, this, right? They're getting mm-hmm. themed. Your mm-hmm. show is all about branding, right. brands. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, every year you go, and it's uh, Batman, and it's uh, Survivor, and it's Big Bang Theory, and TV shows that you hadn't thought about in thirty years all of a sudden pop up in slot machines. And they create an emotional connection with the consumer because they identify with that brand. And they create, yeah. you, I can't, can't possibly state it any better than what you just said. I'm just a question. I, wanted, I just want to hop off to and talk about your style of leadership because here is you have a great brand and you have thousands of employees. What's your style of leadership and how do you ensure that everybody lives and breathes your brand to ensure that they deliver the remarkable experience that you envision that must be delivered on the, on the floor level? Well, first of all, um, I always say I don't take myself seriously, but I take what I do seriously. So uh, I think as I've gotten older, it's uh, extremely empowering to reach a point where you don't, you're not afraid to make a fool of yourself, and you're not afraid to have fun. And so if I get up, uh, when I was 20 years old, if I got up and gave a speech and I made a mistake, you know, I would have been mortified. If I get up now and I make a mistake when I'm speaking, who the heck cares, right? I have worked for people who belittle people and are volatile and make people feel small and, and afraid they're going to lose their job. And I try to take the other approach, and that is to try to make people feel good about themselves 
and and so that they want to run through a brick wall for us and that they want to do a great job. Rodney Butler, our chairman uh, of our tribal council, is a remarkable uh, young leader. He's only 40 years old, but you know he makes time for everybody. He's endlessly patient. No matter what guff people give him, you know he still smiles. He still goes home to his family, his wife and and uh, beautiful wife and two children, and he lives a normal life. And so. I try to be accessible. I, I, I don't think my job is any more important than anybody else. I view my job as facilitator, coordinator, instigator, help people innovate. But at the end of the day, I don't take myself seriously. I I've, take, I've, I've watched you uh, on the floor, and, I, and I've actually watched your, your folks interact with you. You are well-respected, and you do have a good time with them. So, you, you know, you keep right. it— uh, but, but, you know, yeah. I have to make a, you know, a, a parallel because Roger's the same way. I mean, Roger's in his restaurants to, to meet the people, and he wants to, he wants to just be present, okay, because that, that, that's his world. And, you know, some executives stay in that ivory tower right, in a vacuum. Are you making a point? And actually, it's kind of interesting— if you like what you're doing, That's right. it's easy and you have yes. fun with it. Listen, yes. I think, and again, I'm not trying to do a plug for Roger or Curry favor to him, but, but you listen, can. He's, <laughs> he's one of the best restaurant operators in the world. And it's amazing to me, even 15 years ago, he was so far ahead of the curve with uh, technology. I mean, he, I've gone to as many as nine restaurants with him in one day or 10, and each one is a little different. They're each tweaked a little bit. But when iPods were popular, he had a dock for that. You could order electronically and settle your account in one of his restaurants long before any of the big companies in Vegas or New York or anybody else did that. And that constant innovation. And like yesterday or two days ago, I, I ate in his uh, one of his restaurants uh, with my daughter. I picked her up at the airport. And I actually took a picture of whatever he called the salmon. My wife loves salmon. And I actually sent her a picture of the menu item because it was so cleverly described that it wasn't just the old salmon that everybody else offers. So that innovation, that constant tinkering, loving the business, it, it's evident in his business. And you have to love people in our business. If you view a customer complaint in our business as an intrusion, you miss the point. Well, you know, I know the folks at Disney, when I asked them, how do you hire people? They said, no, we select people, and we select them on attitude, not aptitude. You can't teach people to love hospitality. You can't teach people to, to love people who are whining or complaining. You ha it has to be a deck of DNA. But I, I go back to what Jack Welch said years ago, and both Roger, you and Felix are exemplify this, that if you don't change the game, the game's going to change you. And Felix, we met today for the first time, but it appears to me that you're always constantly reinventing, changing the game, and Roger's doing the same. He Roger's, Roger's not complacent at all. Uh, so that, that's to me, what happens that's if you have a short attention span. Or, you know, what's that? That's what happens when you have a short attention span. <laughs> all right. Why don't we, we have something called the lightning round, Felix. We're going to ask you a series of questions for quick responses you, on this. <laughs> okay. The dealer is showing nine. You have two eights. Do you split them? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was time to be honest. All right, Felix. Felix, I walk in the casino. I get to meet somebody at 10 o'clock. I don't have my watch on me. My battery's dead to my iPhone. Where's the clock? 
Uh, I'm sure we have clocks. Where do we have clocks? There are no clocks in <laughs> the casinos. Uh, why, I, why I aren't know, there? I'd go up to somebody and ask somebody. <laughs> or on your phone. Don't you have a phone? The, phone, the battery died. I'd just go but, up to somebody. There are no clocks because we have you don't 60, want people to ever leave, right? We have 6,500 employees. And by the way, casinos used to be dark. Now you can look outside and kind of tell what time it is, right? Win- <laughs> really? There's windows? Yeah. We have windows. Really? We have, like, there's, there's atriums. And really? We have, wow. uh, you know, absolute access to the sky. Wow. But I'd ask somebody, yeah. sir. Yeah. Best cheating scam you've come across? There used to be these great little computers that people would have in their shoe, and they'd play blackjack, and they could type in the count as it came out of the shoe in their shoe, wow. not the, the card shoe, and they could keep track of the count, and then it would send them a signal, so it was a form of card counting and cheating. There's also a technique in, in craps, it takes hundreds of hours of practice, where they can scoot the dice, so when you throw the dice, it's supposed to hit the bumper, and it's supposed to flip and roll, but they could distract the dealers and management in such a way and they could slide one or both of the dice die in a way like a hockey puck so it never flipped. So wow, just amazing some of those techniques. I've never forgotten those because it, it sounds impossible. You try, to, you try to slide the length of a craps table, uh, a die, and have it not roll or flip in some way. But these guys were phenomenal. And then imperceptible ways that they would uh, mark a card, for example. So... Uh, you know, people don't realize it, but uh, the game supervision on the floor and surveillance is it, it takes cooperation and communication. What would you say is the number one misconception that the consumers have about casinos in general? Again, I think I said it earlier. Uh, the the fact is, uh, people, uh, I've had people say it to me in the last four years. You know, in the state of Connecticut, that uh, they they watch a movie like Casino, and they think that uh, there's. Uh, some element that is uh, uh, corrupt, and I'm telling you, it is the we have a, a VP of compliance, we have a gaming commission, we are watched every which way. We have uh, the state of Connecticut in terms of liquor, so there's lots of money to be made the right way. Nobody has to make money the wrong way. Felix, you wake up at three in the morning. What's the number one thing? It's always top of mind thinking about the casino. Um, safety and security. Um, you know, in a, a busy Saturday, we can have 50,000 people through there. Uh, I worked in Las Vegas forever. Um, you know, I could tell you, uh, you know, stories that would make your hair stand on end. Um, you never want anybody hurt. You never want anybody uh, uh, brutalized in any way, shape, or form. And you certainly don't want anything horrific to happen. So to me, it's a well-trained staff and then the thousands and thousands of cameras we have. But we are constantly looking for new ways to make it safe. You're big in entertainment. I know you like comedy. You work and have worked in Las Vegas and, and at Foxwoods with uh, Bill Blumenthal. Yeah. Uh, Blumenreich. Uh, Blumenreich. I'm sorry, Bill Blumenreich. Uh, and uh, favorite comedians? Well, listen, tomorrow Jerry Seinfeld comes back to Foxwoods. He comes twice a year. Um I still watch his television show. I believe we all do, yeah. I believe I have seen some episodes 25 times, and I still laugh at the same spots. Um, anyway, uh, he's coming uh, tomorrow. Uh, it's always a big deal. Our customers love him. Jerry Seinfeld puts in. He, he's beloved. He's, if anything, I think he's gotten funnier on stage over the years because he just seems so relaxed and. 
and uh, happy and 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 you know the customers love him and he does one uh, one routine on pop tarts which I won't possibly try to uh, um, recreate but I'm telling you it, it his observational humor just rings so that true. inner perspective how, yeah. it, how his mind works is, is yeah. uncanny yeah. but I, I have to say I always look forward to seeing him and 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 he's hilarious. You, you mentioned before that you're not allowed to uh, play any games in Foxwoods. So if you have a, a vibe and you want to go gamble, which casino is your favorite to go gamble at? Well, I have to go to Mohegan Sun periodically uh, for meetings because we're partners on certain things. And, you know, um, and, and by the way, I have a good relationship with many of their executives, but I'll be darned if I'm ever going to gamble at Mohegan Sun. <laughs> uh, you know, they shop us and we shop them, but I'm not gambling over there. So, I mean, listen, when I go back to Las Vegas, uh, uh, we have a great, we have actually an alliance with Caesars. We have a great relationship with them. I love Caesars Palace. I'm just not much of a gambler. You know, I, I think that... Wait, uh, what, but when you do gamble, what's your favorite game? I like blackjack. Yeah, I like video yeah. poker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Last question. The beam on top of the Lexor, how bright is that? I don't know. That's a long time ago, but I think it's like 44 million somethings. <laughs> and and uh, I, I think that's right, like 44 million lumens or something. I mean, I'm not. Uh, LED? I'm, I have no idea. All I do know is that it's interesting because in the summer, if you looked up in that beam, and I was there for five years, you you saw the most interesting collection of birds, bats, and insects really? flying. They're all attracted really? wow. to it. And wow. the other thing is, of course, the most famous thing I did when I was there uh, with in that beam was Chris Angel. So Chris Angel famously did a stunt where he rose above the top of the pyramid and just floated in midair right in the middle of that beam, which was nothing short of astounding. And I think I hope he didn't look down. Into it. I think somewhere oh. in my oh. my house somewhere I have a framed picture of him doing that and his goggles and autographed and everything but that beam was amazing because it's supposedly one of only two man-made things that could be seen from outer space the other being the great wall of china you thought it was one of the legal seafood restaurants hey felix what a great conversation lots of fun wasn't it, it, it really, you know it was it's fascinating meeting you and it's not often that really we have a guest that talks about this industry that's been involved in it for over 37 years. And I just think it was a fascinating conversation, fascinating meeting you, continued success. And I'm, I just can't wait to see what the next three or five years happens at Foxwoods with your vision on, on the little plane you have here. As far as, again, I'm thinking back, how do you increase that 1.4 to maybe 2.0 or 3.0? But you're on the right track and you're the right guy uh, spearheading the effort. So we wish you tremendous success. Well, thank you. I invite you both to come down anytime. It'd be my honor. And just wish me well. I'm sure I'll be one of the first yeah. people to actually ride the zip line. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I survive but, it. But, 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 yeah, if wow. I survive it, wow. then I'd love to wow. come back on wow. your show. But, but, but the thing is, I'd love to come back with Roger, right? But I like to go to the weekends, and Roger's in this restaurant on the weekends. <laughs> so I have to go with Tuesday right. or Wednesday night with Roger. But I'll do that uh, uh, just to uh, be with him. Right. We would <laughs> love to have you come right. down. Thank Felix you. Rappaport, <laughs> President, CEO of Foxwoods Resorts. Thank you very much. My pleasure. This is awesome. Really